Hello, and welcome to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. I'm Neil Began, Cherry Records Leader of Risk Advisory. And today on our podcast, we are going to talk about some of the hot button topics and some lessons learned coming out of our most recent year end SOX engagements. With me today are two of my favorite SOX practitioners, Gareth Montague Smith and podcast Peyton Black, leaders in Cherry Records Risk Advisory SOX practice. Gareth and Peyton, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. So last year, we talked about the items coming out of the 2021 year end, which included things such as managing hybrid teams, being mindful of your market capitalization, and the concept of common controls, amongst other things. So as we close out 2022 SOX efforts, we thought we'd walk through some of our most recent observations. As always, we structure the risk and review series with five key questions. So with that said, let's get started. And Gareth, I'm going to pick on you first. In your opinion, what was one SOX concept that your clients really struggled with in 2022? I I think the one area that sticks out, although it's not a new area that a lot of companies continue to struggle with, is around the concepts of completeness and accuracy. Mm -hmm. And and, and when I'm saying completeness and accuracy, I mean that of both populations for testing, as well as the reports used in the actual performance of the control. Um, And and this is also evident in many of the recent PCOV inspection reports of, of the larger firms. It seems like the auditors continue to challenge the completeness of the populations that's used for testing, essentially trying to get to the, the, the point that every element or transaction should have an equal opportunity to be selected. But where it's becoming more challenging and, and, and um, difficult for management to prove is when there are ad hoc or in point uh, controls where reports are run at that time the control is performed and the auditors ask for those uh, but that evidence after the fact. So how do you cr- recreate an ad hoc or a point in time report? Right. And then the other point is, is what does management do to verify the completeness and accuracy of information using the performance of the control every time they do it? Um, and, and we've actually even seen instances in final testing where companies have maintained that reports are canned or off the shelf and there have been no modifications, but the auditors have challenged that assertion and even asking to contact the SAS provider themselves or review the manual to actually confirm that it was an indeed a canned or off-the-shelf report. Yep, and, and the lesson or surprise out of those two points? I think both the lesson and surprise is that a lot of this really should be fleshed out in the walkthroughs in the summer and basically not in January and February. Mm-hmm. But also, Neil, these aren't new concepts, so I guess the surprise is that this is still a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Now, very interesting. Thanks, Gareth. Peyton, how about you for 2022? What would you say? Yeah, so I'd say one of the areas that I've seen cause some issues this past year has been around significant unusual transactions, Uh, not so much in the controls the company has in place to identify these transactions. I think most companies are doing that pretty well, but really in understanding the new risks that now exist as a result of that transaction and then designing controls that operate to offset those risks. Um, Probably the main area where I've seen this as an issue um, is around an acquisition. Under ASC 805, the accounting for business combinations, you know, and although a company can certainly take advantage of the option to exclude the acquired company's internal controls from management's assessment of ICFR in the year of acquisition, they still have to get the purchase price accounting correct at the parent level. Right. Um, you know, all, often that accounting, as you know, is complicated, involves third party specialists and a ton of estimates, you know, all things that the auditors and then the regulators like to pick on. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll hear, hey, we had XYZ firm do the ASC 805 calculations for us, so we should be fine. Um, well, remember, and we've seen some companies get in trouble for this this past year, 
management cannot outsource their responsibilities for their financial reporting. That's right. So they need to understand the estimates and then and then, you know, assume ultimate responsibility for this. Uh, and, and what makes this usually a big deal from a controls perspective is that due to the, the unusual or infrequent nature of the calculation, um, it's, it's really all, often difficult to remediate this timely. Absolutely. Definitely a, a nuance. You know, putting controls around something that that by definition is is unusual. Um, Gareth, coming back to you, any practices you know based on on Peyton's example that he just gave? Uh, I've said this before, and and Peyton did indicate. I mean, it's really difficult to show remediation, especially if the company's not super acquisitive. Especially as we've used a third party, as we've already put our hands in the air and said, "Hey, we don't have the skills or the resources to do it." So sitting down with a specialist to really make sure you understand the data they're using, the assumptions, making sure you agree with the calculations, um, the rates, the inputs into the models, uh, and then also involving your external audit firm specialist is critical. You'd think actuaries would would speak the same language, but sometimes there's nuances and different ways of of calculating discount rates and beta rates and things like that. So getting upfront buy-in from all parties is important. And this obviously has to occur prior to the report being finalized. Otherwise, you've got a big problem. The worst place you want to be in January is having specialists arguing um, with your external f- firm's specialists at final. And, you know, said simply, and I'm going to age myself here, but we used to refer to this as having enough red ink on the page. So have we ticked and tied? Have we done some sensitivity analysis? Do we understand what's going on and how the, the numbers could move based on the inputs? And again, as Peyton said earlier, management still cannot outsource their responsibilities for financial reporting. Oh, agreed. Um, Peyton, I want to come back to you. We haven't touched on really the the other side. You, you talk about business process and um, you know some some of the uh, lessons learned here in 2022, but we have not mentioned IT yet. Um, anything to touch on on the IT side of the house? Certainly near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, similar to what Gareth said early on, completeness and accuracy. This isn't a new a new thing. Uh, is is really that less mature SOX programs need to really continue to address user access reviews at the appropriate level. We saw a number of these issues this past year. Uh, and what I mean by the appropriate level is that we consider this to be sort of an umbrella control and that if user access reviews are designed and operating effectively, they can often mitigate or compensate for other control failures and other IT controls, um, you know, in areas such as access provisioning, uh, if that failed. Uh, and, and we've seen companies actually perform their user access reviews, but then not follow up on the potential conflicts identified, mm-hmm. which defeats the whole purpose of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're n- maybe not doing the reviews with enough frequency or just not covering all the in-scope systems. Um, so really got to be mindful of, of making sure, you know, you're really doing a, a full-on user access review. Um, and, and we've also seen just the review be at the top of the house, if you will, and not at a level of precision that would prevent exceptions. Um, and then, of course, everyone's favorite, which which is always seems to be recurring, is just lack of or incomplete documentation of their reviews. Yeah, we've mentioned it before. Um, IT not always known for their documentation prowess. But, uh, you know, gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Believe it or not, that's actually already five questions. And I want to thank you both for your insights. Uh, sounds like you certainly had an interesting, fun, busy season <laughs> busy season this past year. And as always, I want to thank our audience for listening. You know, we've unpacked a lot. And as we uh, wrap up fiscal year 2022, uh, we ask that you stay connected as we deliver more episodes on what people are calling the soxification of ESG, which covers the areas including the SEC's climate proposal, the impact on internal control programs due to the proposed disclosure changes, and other updates to support an ESG program. 
Uh, as you know, in prior podcast series, we have touched on ESG, so we welcome you to check out those episodes as well. And also, just a teaser that we've got a brand new virtual forum series, which you're really excited about, called The View from the Chair, in which we will have team members discuss the perspective of the chief audit executive, current topics in internal auditing and SOX, gathered from actual roundtables with current CAEs. For more information on SOX compliance or internal controls, we ask that you visit cbh.com forward slash risk. As always, please like, share, and subscribe to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. And thanks so much again for listening.